The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is your host, Joey Bushnell. Today I'll be speaking to one of the world's best copywriters and marketers, Daniel Levis. Go to daniellevis.com to find out more. Uh, Daniel, thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, thank you very much, Joseph. Daniel, how did you get into copywriting and marketing? Well, my background is in sales. I was working in sales, uh, selling high-tech stuff, software, telecommunications, that sort of thing, business to business, <laughs> the whole suit and tie uh, thing. And um, I was the cold call cowboy with the thick skin and plenty of technique built up over many years. And one day, and you, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but due to the proliferation of voicemail and, and the Internet and other computing advancements, I realized that, hey, there's got to be a better way. Because you know what it's like when – you may not know what it's like, but when you're cold calling, you spend a lot of time talking to machines. And I'm kind of a slow learner, but – if and when I get to this, you know, got to be a better way point, my behavior takes on this sort of obsessive quality, and I become extremely inquisitive. And I started devouring information, and through exposure to folks like Perry Marshall and Yannick Silver and Dan Kennedy and others, I came to this conclusion that, yes, there most definitely was a better way to initiate a sales cycle than interrupting people with a telephone call. And that better way was using the written word to automate some segment of the sales cycle, the introduction initially. So I sit to work using the mail and later on the internet and email to do my initial bidding, getting people to initiate their own sales cycle, if you will, permission marketing. And within a matter of weeks, I went cold turkey, no more cold calling. And from that point forward, the phone in my office, it just rang one way, one way only, and that was incoming. In those early days, it was strictly lead generation. Uh, but as time went on, I began, I became obsessed with automating ever larger swaths of the sales cycle. And I eventually became so efficient at it that I was able to start up my own copywriting practice and consultancy. And here we are, eight years later. When you're writing copy, do you have a basic formula that you stick to? I do. I do. Uh, you know, some, somewhat. Uh, unconscious for me at this stage, but still there. Uh, when I'm creating a new promotion or trying to fix an existing one, I look at five interrelated areas, and I call this the 5R system. It stands for the right person communicating the right message to the right audience at the right time and in the right way. And here's the process in a nutshell. You want to begin by choosing the most lucrative audience for what you're selling, people with a proven propensity to buy things that are very similar to what you plan to sell and to research that audience like crazy to find out how and why they buy. That is the first essential step. What do they want to move towards in their lives and what do they want to move away from, in other words? Mm -hmm. 
Secondly, you want to develop a message that positions what you are selling as a mechanism for that transformation, a hook that's strong enough to stop them in their tracks, uh, a clear and irresistible articulation of their desires and or fears, undeniable proof that your product and your service, whatever it happens to be, and you and your business, uh, proof that you can empower them to move toward their desires and away from their fears, and a very strong rationale for making the purchase now, combined with clear and explicit instructions for doing so. Thirdly, you want to position yourself or the, or the product spokesperson uh, if you're a, a professional freelance copywriter and you're writing for somebody else, you want to, to position that person who is communicating the sales message as competent, as trustworthy, and, and also interested in the prospect's well-being and success. Mission to help them, in other words. Fourth, you want to organize all of your benefits, your proof points, your story, your, your the presentation of price and objection handlers and all of this stuff in such a way that it that it dovetails nicely with the prospect's existing beliefs and prejudices and biases, building on them, taking the path of of least resistance from the touch point when you make contact with the person right through to the sale. And finally, you want to communicate all of this in the most compelling, dramatic, and convincing way possible, choosing the most powerful and moving metaphors, stories, word choices, etc., to make the sale. And if you can nail all five of these interrelated areas in your marketing, your chances of making the sale and having a successful marketing campaign just increase exponentially. You mentioned at the beginning the word hook. How do you come up with a really good hook? Well, that's really the million-dollar question, isn't it? And, and hopefully... Um, I can sort of define the it's, – it's a bit of a slippery term, really. So I'll try to define it as I an, answer your question at the same time. A hook is really a big, unusual, surprising idea that kind of jumps out at people, draws their attention um, into your marketing, that shocks, that amazes, that intrigues and enthralls anybody with an interest in what you are selling. And it just cannot be safely ignored. And ideas like that are really the gold of direct response marketing. And, and they really don't come that easily. They don't come to you on command, the result of mere willing, you know, <laughs> give me a hook, right? They're, they're sort of like these little invisible fairies flying around that, that you have to coax out of the atmosphere and, and be ready to catch on a moment's notice before they, they disappear again into the ether. So you have to be very curious. You need to develop a spirit of curiosity, for one. You need to be constantly filling your mind with wonderful known hooks. You need a collection of hooks that others have come up with. Your swipe file is really uh, full of hooks, right? P popular media is full of hooks mm -hmm. that you can observe and, and potentially adapt to what you're doing in your marketing. All types of successful entertainment, in fact, arises out of some kind of interesting irony or paradox, and that is the stuff that hooks are made of. So in search of a hook, you've got to do the skull sweat, the work, the research, 
thinking actively about your, your marketing problem, learning everything you possibly can about your market and your product and your prospect, taking notes, smearing your marketing problem all over yourself over a period of hours and or days more more realistically, perhaps even weeks, focusing all of your mental faculties on that problem intensely working it over and over again, looking at it from a variety of different perspectives, and then you just put it aside, you get it out of your mind, you know, go for a walk, take a nap, do something that you enjoy, and your hook will come. You know, some unusual, paradoxical, ironic idea, some surprising, attention-getting idea is just going to pop into your mind, and you're going to be ready to, to, uh, to grab it because you've given yourself that intention and you work so hard uh, with, with the left side of your brain on the problem that you're going to have your hook and you're going to be ready to accept it. It might even happen while you're in the shower. Who knows? So the, the hook is like a big overall idea that would then go towards creating the headline and the opening of the sales letter. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a potential to confuse uh, theme and hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of uh, interrelated. I look at theme as... You know, people people are are walking around with with a a set of thoughts in their head. Like right now, we're all thinking about the Olympics, right? So if you're on my email list, you'll see that I'm I'm writing you emails about the Olympics, and I'm tying them to uh, marketing, and I'm selling a product too. So that's a theme, and a hook is something that is more along the lines of this very unusual, paradoxical, ironic idea. We'll go in the headline, obviously. What are some of the strongest human motivators that you like to play on in your copywriting? You know, the the drivers, the reasons why people would buy something at an emotional level. Okay, well, let's see. The, uh, The desire to avoid loss, you know? Yep. That's a powerful one, whether it be material possessions and comforts or, or maybe physical or emotional well-being or relationships. You know, the, the aversion to loss is a powerful driver. Um, I think the desire to belong and be loved and accepted is a powerful uh, reason to, to buy things. And th- these are all kind of like deep, right? This, nobody goes around buying things with these ideas in their conscious mind, but below the surface, these are the real drivers. Like, if you ask somebody, why did you buy something? They're not going to tell you, well, because I desire to belong and be loved and accepted. I mean, they'll tell you everything but that. This is the real reason. Um, another one would be the desire to be respected, uh, revered, even feared, perhaps. Again, no one's going to admit to that, but that's a, that's a powerful driver. The desire to be important. To feel important, to be, uh, to feel needed, of value to to those that we love. I think those are the biggest motivators for most people, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. Would you combine a few of these into a sales piece, or perhaps would you play on some stronger than others? And you know, depending on the market that you're writing to. I would say yes and yes. Okay. I think we always want to appeal to the to the aversion to loss, regardless. Some of the other ones are, are going to be more relevant than others, depending on who you're talking to. It all starts with the person you're talking to, mm-hmm. that first R in the 5R system. Sure, okay. And at what point during the sales letter is it appropriate to announce the solution? Well, I think that really depends on on 
what you're up against. You know, the shorter answer is is when you've stirred up the problem, when you've magnified it, when you've brought it into the foreground of of consciousness for the prospect, when you've put that person in pain about it. And that can happen quite quickly in the space of a few paragraphs if the problem is is already acknowledged by the prospect. Or it might be much deeper in the copy if you know if it's a problem that's a little delicate, perhaps prone to denial or, or not immediately at the level of consciousness. Now another factor is most certainly the significance of the problem and also the cost and the risk associated with the solution, right? Is it a bottle of shampoo that you're trying to sell or, or is it a, a multi-million dollar software installation? You have to earn the right to be the bearer of the solution before beginning to talk about it if there's any weight to the situation, right? You need to, to build your credibility and building that credibility and also the affinity uh, that your prospect feels with you as an individual. That That's that uh, uh, the third R, Actually, third R in practice, first R in my little uh, uh, mnemonic, to build up the affinity with the prospect so that there's a bond between you as, as human beings. And that can take a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, another factor is the level of re- receptivity and resistance of the market itself. You know, have they been beaten over the head so many times with similar things that they're reluctant to even engage with the subject? You know, do you have to sneak up on them with some kind of flanking maneuver, in other words? And that's kind of like, that's where theme comes in, you know? People are thinking about the Olympics. They're not thinking about, you know, yet another, uh, you know, copywriting and marketing course, right? So you sneak up on them. Um, the other question is, if you can get to the, the, the problem, agitate, solve equ- equation directly, then by all means do so. And you get to it a lot quicker. So it's entirely situational, really. You know, if there were a pat answer to that question, we wouldn't need high-priced marketing consultants, would we? Yeah, sure. With an online sales letter, do things like colors and page formatting matter? And if they do, do you have any tips for us? Sure. I, I think colors and formatting, uh, they matter a lot. Okay. Uh, I mean, you don't sell to to men with pastel pinks and Pretty purples. Uh, you don't sell serious things with uh, cartoons and handwritten scrawls and homemade, irregularly formatted text and graphics. But on the other hand, you know this sort of strategic asymmetry, uh, even strategic ugliness has its place. You know, unusual placement of, and choice of images can dramatically increase readership and engagement and attention. You know, a certain amount of color. And variety in the text, it helps draw the eye, holds attention, draws attention to important points. Mm-hmm. So again, situational. Certainly font choice, um, font size, spacing of the text can impact readership as well, which in turn impacts uh, sales and conversion. Mm-hmm. You don't want to use um, – I mean, all of that is, again, situational. Who are you talking to? Who is your target market? But regardless, I think, regardless of who you're talking to, you do not want to use tiny fonts. You don't want to jam your copy together in these kind of big, intimidating chunks. Uh, you don't want to spread it across mile-wide expanses of the, of the web page. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this, is, I think, is common sense. You know, make your pages easy to read. Pay attention to to uh, how your eye is pulled around the page, right? Where is your eye pulled when you look at the page? Keep the look and the feel 
in harmony with how people that you are selling to think about themselves, right? What, what's the identity of the person you're, you're talking to? Is your website the kind of place that they're going to feel at home in? These sorts of things, you know, formatting and colors, they should serve the message, they should serve the persuasion, never the other way around. And at the end of the sales letter, do you ever sum up or reiterate the main points that you're, that you're trying to get across? And if you do, how would you slip that in in a natural way so that it doesn't look forced or unnatural? Sure. Well, I think the concept of repetition uh, can't be underestimated. It's crucial to selling. You know, People need to hear things several times before it really takes hold. And you, and you mentioned at the end, you know, certainly that's a place where you are uh, you almost have a license to, uh, to repeat, but uh, I think you need to be repeating constantly. The trick is to come at the same points from a variety of different angles, though, so that repetition isn't recognized as repetition. You, you certainly don't want that. And, and like I say, one place where repetition is almost licensed, it's, it's recognized as repetition and it's okay, is in the at the end when you when you want to close, and you'll always increase your conversion. If you do that, if you sum up and you, re, you, re, you reiterate your proposition before asking for action. So absolutely always you want to do that. One of my favorite ways of doing this, uh, and I learned this from one of my mentors, Clayton Makepeace, is to stick a subhead, something along the lines of, this should be one of the easiest decisions you've made in years. And speaking of formatting, that word should, you, you put it in italics, so that you, you create some inflection. So even though people are reading the words they're hearing, you say this should be one of the easiest decisions you've made in years. And under that, you use this sort of repetitive, rhetorical um, type of lingo that says you've seen this, you've seen that, you've seen how it gives you this, you've seen how it gives you that, and you've seen how you risk nothing, and you've seen how easy it is. You just summarize all of the reasons for going ahead before asking for the order, and that will dramatically uh, help you to increase your conversions, guarantee. Do you ever test things like headlines, offers, prices, those kinds of things? And if so, does it actually make much of a dramatic difference? I do, um, and yes, it can. But I, I really want to caution uh, folks. I want to caution you because in, in the real world, um, my experience tells me that very few marketers have the kind of consistent, high-volume, media-driven environments to really get any kind of statistical validity, uh, statistically valid results from testing. And far too many marketers will you know, test things unscientifically and using sample sizes that are just far too small to make useful and reliable decisions and they'll make decisions anyway. And really all of their testing is doing is telling them what happened in this one specific situation, which really isn't very useful. They look at their test results as universal when they're nothing of the kind, and, and then they validate their pet prejudices with those one-off results. And this can cause them to avoid further experimentation. It can lead to loss rather than gain. See, numbers most definitely do lie. And in the marketing world, they lie more often than they tell the truth. What do you do in terms of self-education to get better and better at copywriting? I love that question. That's a great question. I, you know, Joseph, I'm a big believer in, in what I call whole brain learning. 
I like to spend time analyzing great copy intellectually, you know, speculating as to why it worked, what made it work, in other words. But I also feel there's just tremendous value in training your subconscious. And you do that by writing the copy out by hand. You know, the, the, the hands are very, very important when it comes to uh, educating the, the mind. You know, reading the copy out loud, memorizing it, you know, interacting with it in a variety of different ways, basically just burning great copy and persuasion into the subconscious to the point where it just tends to come out of you without you having to really think too hard about what you're doing, what you're writing. And I think that's important because you want to be able to write quickly, right? The stream of consciousness, like allowing your emotional right brain to sort of just pour it out onto the page uh, without inhibition during that first pass when you're writing and then you can come back to it and you can apply your analytic left brain later on, you know, when, when you've got things to be critical about. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you've actually found that over your career, Daniel. You've seen yourself getting better and better results in terms of ROI and conversion when you do those things. Uh, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Daniel, for doing this interview with me today. Where can we go to get more of your content and information? You're most welcome, Joyce, uh, Joseph. Uh, I enjoyed doing it. Anybody who's interest, interested can uh, get www.daniellevis.com. Awesome. That's the end of today's show. Thank you to everyone who joined us. And Daniel, thank you once again for coming on the show. Oh, thank you very much, Joseph. I appreciate it. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.